Hello, listener. Welcome to the latest edition of the Wiggly Podcast, nonetheless. And yes, indeed, Heather is here, but she's uh, chosen not to introduce this show. Uh, but she would like me to talk a little bit about what's been going on <laughs> last week. Now, interestingly, I did email Heather because I, I don't necessarily get invited to come along to these podcasts. I have to uh, sort of assume that I may be asked 12 <laughs> hours beforehand. So I, I tried to plan ahead and email Heather to say, would you like me to come across and help out this week? And the reply I had last week was, sorry, Rich, we can't do a podcast this week because we've got our new system in place. And it's working fabulously, but we're all a bit inundated. Now, hang on, technically that's two weeks ago, because this uh-huh. is not next week, it's the week after. Just say a couple uh-huh. of weeks ago. Where was I? Uh, so, so what am I saying? We didn't do a podcast last week because... We no, we did podcast. do one, we just done it. Right, right, OK. So it's a couple of weeks ago. So what I just, we've said, just done is next week. This one is the week after. Yeah, so that's right, yeah. If you say you didn't have one last week, they'll say, yes, we did. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, I didn't come. Where did I get to then, then? Tell you what. Start <laughs> again. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't get it into my head. I can't. Oh, my God. I can't place it. His face is... Because I think, where the hell am I now, then? <laughs> do, we, do we pay this number? <laughs> where... Hopefully Hang not. On. Seven right. days a week. What Sarah would call a blonde moment. <laughs> it's a blonde moment, and I sometimes call it. Hello, listener. Welcome to the latest version of the Wiggly Podcast. Woo-hoo! Nonetheless, and uh, and uh, the reason that I'm introducing this week's show is not just because Heather isn't here. Heather is is. is Suggesting that someone else introduce the show, and given that Phil, who is equally here, sat beside me, is so boring that it might mean that people turn the show off before they start to listen. I'm introducing it. At least Farmer Phil can successfully count to seven twice in a row. (laughs) Now, the reason why you didn't have a a show from us two weeks ago now was that because. Things were happening in the Wiggly office. Yes. And there's a new system being put into place. Now, uh, you will realise that I spent somewhere in the region of the best part of four years working in that office. And that since I started, we were always considering having a new system put into place because you know the old one caused a few problems along the shall way. Shall I shoot him? Yeah. Or shall you? For various oh reasons, it didn't, it didn't happen. And consequently, there is a a, a little hiatus that the new system is now in place. Is that right? Oh, that will do, I suppose. I'd like to say that in 1998, in July, my theory is this, right? There's a bunch of companies out there that set you up with very expensive hardware and very expensive software, and they don't let you think or spec the system well and once you've got into it you're stuck forever and I would like to know how many small business out there have got into this terrible vicious circle and what happened to us I know it's going back back a bit but I'm still bitter about it I can tell was in 1998 (laughs) I think the listener might be able to pick up on that tone which is a good you know 12 years ago a horrid 
company came and tried to install a system and we were rescued from it by our dear Michael, yeah. who put in place instantly, almost, a little system that just worked for us a treat. And for all those years after that, we looked for something else and searched for it and came close to putting it in. And on one occasion, we specced it completely wrong. And on another occasion, we had another company in who just about drove us mad. In fact, I won't mention his name, but it was to do with a ghost. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's that's vague enough. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Uh, um, that ghost on the telly. Um, And he took me around the corner of a show and he threatened me and said that we were going to have this system and he was going to put it in and we were going to pay the £43,000. Really? Yeah. Right. Anyway, since then we've been searching and I met Doug Richard, one of the old dragons at the British Library, and he mentioned that you could now get this thing on the cloud, which is out there somewhere, I don't know how it works. And we met two lovely lads called Chris and Andrew. And they've come along and they've put this system in. And the great thing is it wasn't too expensive. Right. And they're called Pearl Software. And we paid for it beautifully. So by the month with a little upfront sum with some money and five pairs of goat socks. And that suits us right well. Absolutely fine. Yeah. 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 So was the money less than the worth of the goat socks? <laughs> Don't tell them. Uh, but yes, sure, but actually we've, we've gone and, you know, because we were pleased with it, we've actually given them two extra pairs of goat socks for their ladies. Oh, that's and I've had an email in to say that the, the one of them's date, I won't mention which, went very well. Yeah. And uh, he gave her the flowers and the goat socks and he noticed that she immediately had them on. Right. The socks. So there I are, think it's been yeah. a success. Oh, a so without wishing to be in any way smug, what it will mean for you, dear listener, is that we all know if we've got it. Right. That's the key that's, thing. That's good, isn't it? We'll now know, hopefully almost definitely know, that we've got whatever it is you want. So it's lovely. And, and I know Michael's pleased what, because well, he's got say, rid yes, of us going on about the all, it. Uh, the all-encompassing uh, brilliance that is, uh, that is Michael Maloney, uh, what does he think about it? I think, I think he's pleased that we've finally got it sorted. He nods sagely. And I know Mary will be because the only alternative was that we locked him in a room for a hundred years and he came out with it and Mary couldn't stand that happening because he would have been driven balmy. Because he can do it, but we we need him for other more important things. And the thing is, so just to say thank you to Pearl Software for rescuing us. The girls are happy. The florists are happy. Little moment in the warehouse, but apart from that, it's all sorted. Right, all no right. problem. Rach is happy, so uh, hopefully that will be that. Uh, this week's show, we're going out to the cows. All want to know about Richard's fishing. Right. I get a chance to talk about fishing then? Not for long. Okay. <laughs> Not in the same length of time that you talked about time? strategic reviews of uh, what's its I, pilot schemes I, that hopefully we cut out completely. Do I get a, a specified amount of time? <laughs> One breath. <laughs> yes. You've got five minutes okay. from now. Go but they're all now. to be answered my questions because okay. I need to know stuff. Right. Where are you going fishing today? Uh, well, I'm going to go for a moment just to catch bait. 
And have you so, got permission? So I, I want have to got know permission. That. I have got permission. Yes, yes. In fact, uh, I don't fish anywhere anymore where I haven't got permission to, and that's a symptom of age. In fact, oh. I was thinking when I was driving over today, I thought, Can't gosh, my life has suddenly enough. become very <laughs> conventional and law-abiding. I need to do something very dodgy. And it didn't go to me robbing a bank and stuff <laughs> like that, but, but the, the relative uh, responsibilities I have, uh, as far as a wife and, and uh, things like that are concerned, it's perhaps not such a good idea. But, you know, <laughs> Rich, you turned up in a charabang uh, <laughs> with two drums in the back that looked like if they hit you on the head, <laughs> you would sure, automatically I die. I think Persia would be A trailer... Most which was overloaded with large yeah. pieces of what looked large like stolen wood. Yeah, no, no, not stolen. No, absolutely not stolen. I, I buy those from uh, from a friend of mine called Say It With Wood. Actually, a, a local couple that work in Herefordshire that copies a lot of chestnut, and I buy a lot of my chestnut from them for, for various schools work and things like that. But they equally sell firewood, so I bought that, some from them. Originally, I bought some oak to make stepping stones with. And there's some left over. My Uncle Jim, who's now 88, that lives up in uh, Paris, where I'm going after we finished here today to do some worky-like stuff. I can go and see Uncle Jim as well, though, and drop him in some firewood, because he'd be thrilled with that. And it's ash, so he can burn it green, because he's got, he hasn't got any stored. So it's all a bit of a time and motion study, and I'm purely going fishing just to catch some... Three minutes shape. left on fishing. He's no. never done a time and motion study in his... He has! No. He's been he, doing one today. He does not well, understand the meaning of it. I, I believe you, mate. I know more than most, I think you'll find. <laughs> but yeah, no, fishing stuff. And, and I think possibly one thing actually we, we did talk about a while ago is getting uh, Dan Jeffries in Tan's husband to talk about rod building and stuff like that so we, we should do that at some stage. Have you not um, done that? He's a brilliant bloke. Well I, I did but unfortunately I think it was about three weeks ago when we, we thought we hadn't got any material. I asked Dan whether or not he'd like to come along and he, and he couldn't so which is why you know obviously you didn't hear anything about that but Thursdays, I think, are essentially a little bit difficult for him. But anyway, Two he would minutes. love to come. He would love to come. And, uh, and Dan, What bait are you catching? Uh, what bait? Are, oh, just some live baits for pike fishing. What's you know. live bait? Uh, live fish. To bleak. go for, for fishing. Uh, yeah, bleak. To go Stolen pike fishing. Stolen out of with. my pond. Right. Yeah, not your, it's not your pond, is it? My I know, there's this, I know there's this kind of feudal kind of aura about you, all things kind of Preston on Y like, but the realities are you guys aren't the custodians of that pond. And I'm able to oof, drop in <laughs> under radar, having got permission from said custodians, and extrapolate <laughs> a few little silver fishies that I can use for bait. Ice. Yeah. That's all I want to know. So the pond's iced over. Yeah. When you chuck your thing in, (laughs) (laughs) well, it seems icy to me. When you chuck your thing in, yes, it sort of goes hard on the top. That's when it's icy. How is it? How is it going to work? We years ago, when I was when I was a kid, we used to fish these ponds. And they were fantastic for pike fishing. We used to go there under radar. And we used Lobby to chuck in the middle of massive We used to chuck in, no, not chuck, just chuck in logs, smash the ice, and then you could chuck in your, your pike bait in amongst these kind of these uh, broken rafts of ice and get pike. And we caught pike well out of there, which is fantastic. And recently I went up to Bilf on the upper streets of the Y, grayling fishing. And I was fishing, trotting down, uh, using a, a stick float, trotting down... Uh, a What's pit, a stick float? Uh, it, it's a float that you use for fishing in relatively strong currents in the river, and it has a good uh, level of buoyancy in its top of half, and then a relatively skinny stem below it. It means you control the bait. So what you're doing is the bait is, is lying directly under the float, and it's wafting up 
seductively in front of any fishies that, uh, that are living in the stream. Yeah, hang on. So the float is on the wire or on the line. The float is, is the and wire then the is bait the is so far from the float, yeah, yeah. depending on what depending fish on you're trying depth, to catch. The depth of the river and the top I of the I always wondered like that. that. Yeah, yeah. It's very, it depends on, on several things. But that was fun because the river, that was, uh, must be, it's a while since I've been fishing now, it was several weeks ago, and the river had frozen practically two thirds of the way across, i.e., a third on one side, a third on the other. So in the middle, there's this long, uh, unfrozen channel. And unfortunately, I had to walk well upstream to present my bait to where the fish were, about 60 yards. So I was trotting all the way downstream, and the float, the tip of the float, was now becoming just about visible. And it would dip and poof, a fishy on. And of course, I was bringing the fish up against this ice flow, and the float is just bouncing along the edge of the, of the ice flow as the fish is kind of dipping and diving underneath these uh, great big rafts of ice. But I did, I caught about 15 or 20 nice, juicy grading. Took them home. I've eaten most of them actually right now, and uh, we smoked a few and scoffed a few. But yeah, oh, that's gorgeous. Those, those fish. And grayling are one of the are one of the few fish that that still feed fairly uh, voraciously in in the winter time. When this ice is over top of the pond, mm. which is my original question, mm. what's the fish thinking? Because it must be quite odd that up above. I wish I could answer that question. <laughs> If only, if only I knew. Well, I, I could get question more often it because he brain. seems to have silenced me. <laughs> <laughs> if I could just get into that fish's brain, oh, my whole world would be so much, so much better. But uh, gosh, I don't know. I've got no idea. I imagine the, there would be a muffling effect, wouldn't there? Yeah. If you're below the ice, and there's obviously that kind of muffling effect. It'd be interesting. I suppose the best thing to do would be to ask a diver that goes and films krill underneath the, the ice sheets of Greenland or something like that, and they'd have, uh, have a better idea of the kind of acoustic qualities of fish. Uh, it is a fair shout to think that the cold fish doesn't do much anyway, does it? It just, they slow down. They, they do slow, slow down dramatically, yeah, yeah, and they do. And uh, interestingly, pond conservation, uh, the charity pond conservation, they have, they have recently speculated that wildlife fares better underneath ice in a pond um, if you leave the ice and don't attempt to break it or release some of the gases that, uh, that form below it. I'm not entirely sure that's the case, because surely it would very much depend on the, the depth of the pond, the surface area, so on and so forth. It's a bit suspect. There's a report out today about hibernating animals benefiting greatly from these really cold spells that we've got, because obviously they don't wake up when it's a bit warm and there's no diseases and all that sort of thing. Sure. Sure. And it has been a cold winter, hasn't it? And it would make sense that that's the case. Cause they mentioned that, you know, red admirals. <laughs> red admirals. Red admirals. <laughs> You've got Valentine's on the mind, haven't you? They mentioned red admirals and hoggies. Um, Farmer Phil, have you got a wiggly review? If you've got time to pop one up, go to iTunes and pop one up, and we might read it out. After all, we've read out every other. <laughs> Well, there's a couple of reviews. Here, here's another of the latest ones. The Good Life in Real Life. Five stars. And this is from, from Ross, uh, 99 Station Street, up there in Burton-on-Trent. Where nice I, restaurant. I just happened to know that he, he good runs steak. a nice restaurant. Good steak. Good boy. I've listened to the Wiggly Podcast for some time now, and each episode is a joy in itself. The key to its success are the personalities and the subjects chosen for each week. 
Farmer Phil comes out with clear facts and figures based on his research and also from solid experience of what can really work in the country. Ricardo has the idealistic view and a penchant for ogling, but I suspect he would be like a dog chasing a car and wouldn't know what to do if he caught one. Heather seems to act as referee at times, but suspect that she's really poking both Phil and Richard with a stick in one hand... I certainly am not poking Richard. (laughs) ...to start the row and a nice beer in the other. Some of the topics that are discussed can be controversial and a bit heated at times, but they tend to be balanced and you often get the aha moment when the penny drops. On other weeks, it can be a documentary or interview type programme, but always something to take home. Well done, keep up the good work. Email in, hot news from Preston on Y. Anyone for tennis coaching? Let us know if you're interested. Email Pam. Thank you. Now, Podchef says, because uh, obviously we need tennis coaching this year. Oh, oh. Uh, Podchef says, you mentioned the white pheasant being shot. Yes. Which I had a bit of a row about afterwards as well, because I thought, after all we've heard about conservation, and really it's about sport and betting and blokey things, and he says, just a minute, isn't the payment for the white pheasant to go to the gamekeeper and isn't that how the gamekeeper is benefiting from not being paid properly etc well that's what i said to you that traditionally it was another way that the gamekeeper earned himself a few extra shillings podchef also made the point that you probably didn't want the white pheasant to stay there you didn't want too many white pheasants and that's probably a fair shout as well oh i see um but the origins of it, in all the years I've been involved, this has always been that little perk for the gamekeeper. The pheasants will go over the guns. The white one is just another pheasant. It just happens to be white. But it is right that you wouldn't want too many of them because that would be pointless then. We've done a brilliant cover for the latest weekly catalogue, Rich. Uh-huh. Well, I think it's brilliant because uh-huh. it was my idea. Uh-huh. But Michael executed it. And you must look out for it because it is a chicken... In the Wiggly Kitchen, right. looking at an egg. And it's like the chicken or the egg, and it's going to come out at Easter, and I love it. And it's a light Sussex, and it's got a, it's a white chicken against those colourful tiles, and it's got its red um, thing. Yeah. And. Oh. Red, red, red uh, comb, I think yeah. that's what they call it. I was, trying, I was thinking then. Because you know the Wiggly Kitchen. It's on the table, though, when it you did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There was a big chicken poop, but I put it in the can of worms. Oh, well, there um, um, the Wiggly catalogue covers do cause a bit of controversy. Right. There's a very famous... Or even controversy. Oh, sorry. Uh, on the pronunciation again, Phil. Mm. Mm. You say tomato and I say tomato. There's a very famous chap in the world of mail-order catalogues. He's like a squillion trillionaire. And he phoned up me and he said, I'm in the area, could I come round to your place and see what you do? And I thought, he's a squillion trillionaire with lots of catalogues that are very, very famous. Right. Not all of them what I would consider to be the best, but right. certainly very big volumes. Okay. I thought, whatever could he... Why would he want to do that? So I said, well, why? I don't think you know we're going to be able to give you much expertise. You're obviously much, much more successful than we are at catalogue marketing and he said well it was just that 
I wanted to come and see the faces behind the people that would actually ever put a pig's bum on the front of their mail order catalogue. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, Is that right? well, I'll be. So I said, no. And uh, <laughs> um, so this time, I'm hoping he's going to phone up and say, "Did you really have that chicken in your kitchen, doing a poop, looking at the egg?" Right. And I can say, "Yes, right. you did." Oh, there you are. There you are. Phosphate. Phosphate. Is there a problem? There's going to be limited supply of phosphates, and some people think that we're going to run out of mineable phosphates within the next sort of few years, possibly as few as five. Why do you need it? Phosphate is a substance that plants require for growth. Um, it's an essential nutrient, and it's something that leaches out of the soil, and it's locked up within the soil. But the problem will come that if we can't dig any more out of the ground, we've essentially let it all go out into the sea. That's, that's what's happened to it. That's Can we suck it back? Well, I expect there are people trying to work it out. But the first problem is that the price of phosphate has gone through the roof, as has potash, which is another mined nutrient. There isn't such a shortage of potash, but it, it's all getting very expensive. And there, there's currently quite a lot of work being done Phosphate is one of these substances that you put it in the soil and it's almost instantly locked up before the plant can get at it. Right. Because it's quite a reactive substance. And so a lot of the fertiliser that we've been putting on has not actually ever got to the plant. And there's quite a lot of work being done on different ways of formulating the phosphate or treating it to make it available to the plant for longer, thereby yeah. enabling us to use a lot less of it. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's a problem that is ongoing and at the moment there isn't a huge number of solutions to it right and it's one of those things that unless somebody stumbles across a big hole in the ground with a lot more to be dug out of it which is unlikely which well it's possible it's i mean they, they keep finding reserves of these things yeah but the, the problem then is transporting it all around the world the devastation of the air of the hole that you dig it out of because yeah. i mean these mines are not very environmentally friendly in many ways and so it's it's potentially quite a serious problem interesting stuff rich you've been uh, out in the cow shed with farmer phil i have all I right have. Uh, it was all right it's a while since i've been in that cow shed and it did bring memories drifting back of uh, of a throng of people in this in this house and a, a dimly lit relatively warm compared to the outside cow shed some years ago uh, but we were talking about all things bove-like. Certainly one of Phil's favourite subjects, I feel. Like cows. Friendly old things. Well, it's been a while since I've been in this cow shed, Phil. In fact, it's probably a couple of years, you know, almost since the, the cow shed at night event. Well, I, I'm sorry to, sorry to tell you that's probably four or five years ago. I advise. But it's great to be back in. It's like to, it's lovely to hear the chirping of the sparrows and the steam coming from all these boves' noses. Yeah, it's cold morning this morning, so that uh, yeah, they're quite happy to be in here. So what's going on? I mean, kind of this is, I suppose, traditionally the time of year when you're plucking calves from the derriers of, <laughs> of all these beasts. It's rather strange actually because we're suffering the hangover from the very wet harvest two years ago right. because we've got very few calves and the reason that we've got so few calves is that you remember about 12 months ago now we were having one or two problems with nutrition and the cows weren't well and we lost a few and yeah. we didn't know what was wrong with them yeah. and it transpired that the reason that we were in problems was that the quality of fodder 
from the year before that we made in the summer was so poor, not that it was mouldy, but there was so little nutrition in it that we were essentially starving the thinner of the cattle. Right, Which right. was a fair tragedy. We had compensated for it, but not enough. But you can see the difference in their condition now that, you know, they're sleek, they've got cover on them. But, of course, they because they were thin, essentially, they didn't right. get in calf when okay. we wanted them to. That's important, isn't it? Yeah, to be... So now, two be, years yeah. on, we're still suffering the hangover of a, a weather-stroke-mistake combination... Right, right. ...over that time. OK. But I'm not terribly unhappy in as much that March-born calves are easier to manage. You can get them out in the field and that pneumonia isn't a problem. Yeah. And get them out on the grass. How do they stick the cold? A sheep, I, I know... Well, can tolerate incredibly cold a, lambs incredibly kind of cold temperatures as, a, as an old vet once said to me they are designed for outdoor use right <laughs> well that's right you, I mean, would, the, you wouldn't want to bring them in that's the thing fact. the thing about animals is and cattle and sheep are the same is that if you have a newborn animal outside as long as they get a good dose of warm colostrum they will stand the cold very well right if there's something wrong then the cold will catch up with them much quicker yeah, yeah and from our point of view you know by having them in in these yards like this over the winter time we can keep control of the situation we can cope with anything that's not just quite right hopefully we can get the ventilation good enough in here so that we're not suffering from pneumonia problems which broadly speaking you know we, we seem to get away with Okay, and we're um, stood on a huge mat, like a floating raft of uh, <laughs> of straw, with obviously with the, you know the, the, the ingredients that the, the cows add to it over the over the uh, uh, period of time. But is that is that the best thing for them to to bed down on? Do you think? I, I think it is with care. I mean, obviously, running a, a deep litter system of straw. So that all that means is that we keep bringing fresh straw and putting it in on top, so it gradually builds up. Are there no. alternatives? I mean, could you use something like that? Heather uh, wondered whether or not you could use something like rubber matting, for instance. I mean, well, does that ever get used? Um, probably not in the context of this sort of cattle, but certainly in dairy cows, you can use rubber matting in cubicles, and you, some people use sand right. um, and things like that. But a cubicle means that the cow can only be in one place so that she will go and lie down in the cubicle so that when she dumps or, or passes urine that goes into the alleyway so that right. she never dirties what she's lying on right right whereas in in this sort of more relaxed environment obviously you're going to have to deal with the manure and litter on top of it but yeah. the, the important management thing is that obviously this muck underneath our feet gets warm right, right and as you let it get deeper it'll get warmer yeah sure. and that can be a breeding ground for bugs and so that the frequency of mucking out which is essentially we just take it all out and start again how often is well we do it once halfway through the winter so two muckings out for the year okay now <coughs> that is about right but the timing of this mucking out is crucial so we're going to muck out on sunday and monday yeah now and it's a relatively big job as well i think i mean there's, well, quite, a, there's quite a volume of stuff under our feet we there? reckon we can shift about 800 tons of muck in okay, a little under Lord. two days and what happens to it that goes out and it'll be st stockpiled on actually on my neighbour's farm right. where it's rotted down, composted. So an enormous compost. Yes, essentially. a big pile of the <laughs> proverbial. <laughs> and um, then he'll spread that uh, later on in the autumn. Right, right. 
Okay, um, so it makes good use of this. Oh, it's uh, all used, and, and I think as the price of fertilizer goes up, the likelihood is that we will start to use more of it ourselves. Right. The reason we don't use it is because we don't want to contaminate our seed growing ground with the grains that have either gone through the cattle or might be in the straw. I see. So yeah. that that's why we don't choose to use it. But if the price of fertilizer keeps going up. It is a resource. Um, it's an interesting thing, you know, folks often say, oh, you know, how do you get such fantastic vegetables? Not necessarily to me, but I've heard people asking one another. <laughs> but uh, people say, oh, it's because I put tons of muck on the garden, but often exactly because of the reasons you've, you've, you've speculated that people... Uh, are loath to use muck because of the seeds that it does contain. You end up getting probably more weeds in the garden, blowing on balance because it's so. Well, hopefully, there so aren't too many weed seeds. Stuff. But from my point of view, I don't want the cereal seeds in no, the wrong of because of your yeah, cereal. Anyway, come over here. Yeah, let's have a show. Let's have a look. I mean, uh, can you can yeah. you tell how uh, when a, when a cow is, uh, is is likely to calf? I mean, what are the what are the signs? Well, presumably, she's she's sort of rocking about and looking a little bit uncomfortable. Well, obviously, the first sign. We pregnancy test them, so we have got an idea of when they're due to calve right. within a f- two or three weeks. Okay. Now, obviously, when you look at a cow, you can see that they get bigger, you know, just like a human does when, yeah. when they're pregnant. Now, as they approach calving, they're quite obviously larger. Yeah. Their udder starts to fill with milk, right. and as you get really close to calving, their pin bones and their back end starts to relax right. and you'll see that their vulva gets more swollen and you'll get a certain amount of slime and stuff like that okay. and that shows that you're within sort of a few days perhaps a week of yeah. calving yeah. and then when you actually get to the point that you're trying to detect within the next few hours what you're looking for is behavioural changes right. so instead of coming into her usual slot to feed yeah. she might come in down the end right or when you come out and see her in the last thing at night instead of being in the area of the yard because they're very habitual they'll probably go and lie in the same place more or less every night right but she'll change she'll go to the other end of the uh, yard or okay. something like that okay and you can just pick up things that she might not chew the, be chewing the cud she might be just looking a little bit uncomfortable how they hold their tail yeah they're all different but it's just that little suggestion that, oh, something's not quite right. And that's a fairly sure indication that within the next half dozen hours, action is to be had. So when you see that, I mean, how often do you sort of come out and check to uh, depends, see whether the old girl needs a hand? Depends on the cow, depends on her history. If it's a, a first calving heifer, I'll come and check it pretty regularly, you know, every hour. Yeah. I want to be not very far away. The general rule of thumb is that once they start calving, if they haven't produced something sensible within an hour, then you ought to be looking at helping the job along somehow. Okay. But they are designed to do it on their own, and there is no reason that they can't, by and large. It's usually something unfortunate that trips the job up. So the calf might be misrepresented, misrepresented. So it might have a leg back, it might be backwards altogether right. now those are, are usually ones that you have to help because if you don't you have a dead cow and a dead calf yeah, yeah. Um, otherwise you, with heifers who are inexperienced you might get the, the cow will push the calf out but then she'd be so relieved she'd just sit there and the calf suffocates in the afterbirth at the other end yeah, yeah. because she hasn't remembered or doesn't know that she's got to get up and turn oh, around see. and lick it and right, all. Okay. it's just little things like that but an experienced cow that you know has had several calves and knows what she's doing and all the rest of it, yeah. you'd be fairly confident 
to leave her a little bit longer and come and check her and just make sure that it's all all right. All right, all right. But here, I've got a cart in front of me. Yeah, I see this beautiful little chap. No, I want you to tell me what is wrong with that brown calf. eyes. What's wrong with it? Yeah, uh, spot the error. Doesn't seem to have a tail. Is that right? That's spot on. <laughs> how, did I, how did I see that? It's just kind of, it's kind of peculiar. Um, uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's not got a tail. No, and that's the second one in 20-odd years that we've had like that. It hasn't, it's not an injury. Right. It's just born with no tail. tail. Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose it's better it's perfectly born, healthy. Born without, and you can uh, see it's dashing about. Yeah, it seems perfectly bright. Yeah. Very happy. Very dark little calf. As yeah, well, by almost, Penguin. Almost. What's that penguin? The penguin, of course, is the big He's Angus, uh, Aberdeen Angus. And it's yeah. out of this uh, MRI cow, so she's right. quite black as well, so that you're going to yeah. get a fairly black result out and of She's that. very content. She's not particularly bothered that the calf is skipping around the shed with all the other, all no, the other well, cows. No, the, the calf's old enough now that, you know, she's got used to the idea the calf will come back to her. It's the sort of first week they get very maternal and possessive. Right, right But once right. they're a bit more relaxed... Yeah. She knows where it is. You can see her looking. Yeah, yeah, it's just checking her. But she just sort of thinks, well, it's all right, isn't it? You know, yeah, yeah. It's only old Fishbourne, and he's no threat to anyone. <laughs> That's right. So they're scoffing this, uh, this rye grass. Yeah. Hay. I yeah. mean, but presumably, do you have to give them any other kind of food supplements? Yeah, well, they have a, a roll barley mix that we grow and mix here on the farm. Oh, right. Um, which is what gives them their hard food and energy and minerals. Right, right. And so we, we weigh that so that we know how much they're getting. Right, right. And that, that's where we can supplement the quality or lack of it in the grass seed straw. They have to have some supplement, it's just a question of how much. And the mistake we made last year was we knew how much straw they were eating in terms of weight, yeah. but what we hadn't bargained for was how little nutrition was in it. Does the nutrition uh, level fluctuate in the, well, it in does. the, in the hay? It does. Right. And so the good hay that smells sweet, I mean, this is good stuff, so it's got a bit of colour, it's got a little bit of green to it. Yeah. That would be as good as, as hay, um, and they don't need so much, and that's why they look quite fit. Right. Last year, because the, the hay had been turned so many times it had been rained and all the rest of it it was washed out which is a term you know absolutely dead is is how you'd understand that yeah and so we put the figures in as if it was the, the base standard of of cereal straw to eat which is the lowest figure right but it was obviously worse than that it had got no energy left in it at all right so that's quite disappointing really for you you must think oh, it is i mean you think oh god should i have spotted it should be i mean you can beat yourself up yeah, but at the end of the day, I'll do that for you. You know, you you'll do that for me, <laughs> and you know we've we've learnt another lesson. Yes, yeah, and there's one thing you won't find many farmers who will tell you they know everything. No, you know, you well, learn that's something. Well, yeah, there all are a few, time. but of course they don't. That's well, yeah, like like all of us, we don't. As far as I'm concerned, I'm learning. learning. But that's the, the most, most wonderful thing as, as well. Mm. You know, to be taken by surprise occasionally, and uh, you know. But, uh, you know, it's, it's pleasing to have recognised it, and I'm happy with the way that they look in general. This they, look, they do look very handsome. There's, yeah, uh, I mean, well. how, many, how many animals are in this barn, all told? There are about 40, 45 in here all together. Oh, and they're incredibly calm, and they seem perfectly relaxed. Uh, they're not at all bothered by the fact that we're in here. You know, they're, uh, they're just it's as if we were just part of the furniture. Yeah. But uh, I suppose it's probably because they're, they're essentially very used to you, aren't they? And, uh, well, they are, but also, I mean, it, a relaxed cow is a cow that you can manage. If they're dancing around the place, charging around, then calves get injured. When I come in here at night, if I need to carve one, 
I don't want to be chasing it around for an hour and a half trying no. to catch up with it. I need to no. be able to walk up to it and deal with it right. so that I am from the school that I want my cattle quiet. I don't want them tame, and there is a difference, but I want them quiet and content. They'll eat properly then. They're happy and then they're healthy yeah and then we get into all the realms of all the other disease prevention if you've got a cow that's stressed she is wide open to disease yeah more so than well i guess it's like one. it's like anything any animal husbandry you know it's uh, it's important to be proactive with the husbandry rather than uh, rather than reactive to any problems that uh, can uh, make them poorly let's Fantastic. go and get back Fantastic. in the warm and see whether we can find should where we do, should we do is. just that Thanks for that both. Just before we go, it's time for a weekly review. Informative, inspiring and entertaining is podcast 210. Five stars. By Boo Book. I wasn't in that one. Well, you're not. Don't think so. Ah, but it comes in Heather's absence (laughs) and with the punches edited out. Richard and Farmer Phil engaged in one of the many aspects of Wiggly Wiggler's podcast that I like, i.e. educating a townie like me in agricultural matters. I can rely on Richard to ask all the daft questions, and he does ask some daft questions, I I would ask, and then Farmer Phil tells it like it is. Um, Hooray for WWBB. Um, what about me? You weren't there. What about, is they, haven't they mentioned me? Not much, no. Right. Oh dear. <laughs> a bit. Sometimes. Never mind. <sighs> right. No problem. Doesn't, doesn't affect me, obviously. Doesn't bother me at all. No problem at all. If you want to write a review up about Richard and Phil and you think I don't do anything, you carry on. Just get out there, <laughs> do it. Doesn't upset me, there's no issue. I can get back to my day job, which is doing God knows what. Bye. Bye. Bye from me. (laughs) (laughs) That's very good. That's good. Yeah, perfect.